So, all right, just a, it was a Ryan joke. I liked it. So that was it. All right. All right, so throughout the Old Testament, you know, we've seen the hand of God as he comes against the wicked and the sinful. We see his power as he takes what seems to be bad and he seems to work it out to get his honor, to get glory. You know, we often say, and I say this, I say this all the time, there's nothing too hard to, for God, which is biblically true, but often we battle with the doubts that pop in our heads. And usually that's because of what our eyes see. You know, we see the obstacles as too great, too big. So, but today, before we begin, I want to I wanna encourage you that if you're a child of God, God can work it out for you, whatever it is. And he will do so for those who love him and according to his purposes. I want you to be encouraged because sometimes the process that he uses is not really always uh, pleasant. And sometimes it's actually uh, painful. But God's plan will come to fruition and it will be for the betterment for those who belong to him. So I want you to bear that in mind as we speak about some events in people today and how God uses them. So we're going back in, once again to the Old Testament and we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah for a moment. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, God's, God's judgment was coming upon Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham's nephew Lot was told and instructed to leave the city. He was supposed to get out of Dodge before the problem was going to come and God's answer was going to come. And so Lot and his family left the city. And uh, as they left the city, the wrath of God fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that. It was after the destruction of the cities that Lot found himself hiding out in a cave with his daughters. And it was there that his eldest daughter came up with a plan to preserve their family leading Lot to become intoxicated, and then she was carnally with him. The result for her was a baby boy. And the boy's name was Moab. And it's out of this unrighteous act that it was the beginning of the Moabites, the Moab, you know, the people, the Moabite people. And these people would be in conflict with Israel Many times they would be responsible for drawing Israel away from worshiping the one true God. They were going to be a thorn in Israel's side, and it all starts in this one unrighteous act. And we know that God saw this coming, and he wanted his chosen people separate from the pagan nations around them. And he gave them instructions accordingly. In Deuteronomy, he tells them, and we've talked about this in past sermons, you know, tells them to wipe them out, to eradicate those pagan nations. Why? Because he didn't want their ways seeping into the Israelites. But, of course, the Israelites don't do it. They don't wipe them out, and their ways do seep into the people. And one of the things that happened is the Israelite men begin sleeping with, going with the Moabite women, getting involved with them, end up worshiping their gods, moving away from the one true God. And it got to the point that people began to forget about God and they stopped sharing him. They stopped teaching him. And listen, sometimes we talked about us in the generation. They say the next generation grew up. They didn't know God because no one shared him anymore. And I think that's something we need to pay attention to today. Pass it on below to the generations below us. And one thing about this church is that with the kids' ministries and the programs and the Sunday schools, that we are giving a solid foundation to the youth in this church. We've seen it time and time again. But here, they have forgotten. And they're not even teaching him. They're not even passing him on anymore. You know, it's throughout their history with the Israelites that we certainly see moments where they display obedience and then moments when they display rebellion. We see they had moments of pressing into God, powerful moments, maybe waiting for the Red Sea to part, right? Because the Egyptians are right behind them. Relying on him and seeing great miracles. And then they had moments of obstinance, turning their back on the Lord, like maybe the golden calf 30 days later. And then they pay a price. 
In this case, because of their disobedience, they were paying a price which came with oppression from the surrounding nations. With servitude, pain, despair, and death. And at least some of that was due to the Moabite people from the single unrighteous act of a daughter. There was suffering going on, and they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord hears, hears them. And we've talked about this before, too. In his compassion, he sends them individuals who are going to deliver them from their oppressors, who are going to administer justice to the people. And it would be a time for an opportunity for the Israelites to repent. It would be under these individuals sent by God, who are called judges, we've spoken about them before, that they would have an opportunity to change their ways and go back towards God. And when that began, the judges started, begin, you know, started to be sent. We know there was a 400-year time span where all this took place and that there was a, a cycle going on. As long as the judge went, the, the Israelites would do the right things. And when the judge died, they returned to their own ways. And all of a sudden, they were suffering again. They started crying out, and God would hear them and send them another judge. And the process would start all over again. Today I'm not here to speak about a specific judge or the judges in general. But what I am here to say is this time period is the backdrop for what I am going to speak about. Because some of the things that happen in this story are happening during this time of judges. It's happening when Israel turns away from God and they do the wrong thing. It's during this time period that we're going to see that God works out these things, this, this, his plan and the dominoes fall. And in his timing, amazing things come out of situations that you wouldn't possibly think amazing things could come out of. You see, sometimes as people, as human beings, when we look at situations, and I know you're going to agree with me, we look at circumstances, it's really hard to imagine how God is going to bring anything good out of that. We look at it and we go, oh, that's too big. That's not, no way. How can you change that? How can you change it to honor and glorify God when it's dripping with sin? And somehow God works his plan and his timing. And he uses individuals. And he does just that. And he works it out for his glory and honor and for the benefit of those involved who belong to him. Even the vile act of Lot's daughter in the beginning of the Moabite people, a people who actually practice human sacrifice, by the way, even those people God can use. And he does, because it would be from the Moabite people that this girl would step into the spotlight. It was a girl who God had a plan for a girl who would make right choices and go in the right direction, who was going to be used in a really important, powerful way. And that girl's name was Ruth. She was a Moabite. And her story begins with Elimelech and his family. And it was in this time frame, the time of the judges that we were discussing, that there was a great famine going on in the land. And Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, take their two sons and they move to the land of Moab. And it's there that their sons decide to marry Moabite women. And this is something that God had warned directly against, but was continually happening during this period of time. So we have Elimelech moving to a pagan nation for help and sons marrying pagan women. So obviously there's not much walking in faith going on here. Elimelech leaves the promised land because he needs to eat. Where's the faith in that? And the sons go directly against God and into marrying these women. It's a strong argument here to be made that Elimelech is outside the will of God. And his choice, where he ends up, does not help his son's choices who go outside the will of God. It would be soon after they get into the land that Elimelech dies. Naomi becomes a widow. And then it would be 10 years later that both sons die. And now they leave two widows. So three widows, three dead husbands. And some might question, was this the hand of God in response to their choices? 
And the answer to that is a definite maybe. <laughs> we don't know for sure, but we have certainly seen examples of this before. We've seen it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament with Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, however you want to say it. So maybe. But we also see God's plans start to unfold and a domino start to fall. And Naomi starts to turn away from the position where her husband took her to. And she wants to return to Judah. And it's funny, she wants to return to Judah. And the thing that sparks the whole thing is they get news that God has blessed the crops in Judah and they're abundant now. Maybe they shouldn't have left to begin with. So she returns and, you know, she's going back to Judah and she's going to take her daughter-in-law's with her. And on the way, when they get to the end of the Moabite land, they get to the boundary, most people believe she starts to test them. And when I say test them, she's trying to figure out where their heart's at. Are they really willing to go and be an Israelite to accept Jehovah, the one true God, to give up the Moabite people, the ways to God, the God? And she calls them on the carpet. And she confronts them with the truth about the prospects of marriage, about going back to their mother's house. She's almost encouraging them to do so, encouraging them to return to their land. And I'm sure that they had some knowledge of the God she served because they spent a lot of time together. Some knowledge of what was expected about living in in the land of the Israelites. This was a push come to shove moment and they had to choose. And for these three, one thing is absolutely certain is that they were close and they cared for one another. She cared for the two daughter-in-laws and the two daughter-in-laws really supported Naomi and helped her. And at minimum, Ruth was a good person who cared for Naomi, who helped her. She was loyal. But listen, in this moment, if she chose not to go with with Naomi, if she chose to return to her pagan land, ways and gods, it wouldn't have mattered, it wouldn't have amounted to anything. It would be like knowing the most helpful, compassionate, kind person who will give you the shirt off their back, but who will not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It means nothing, really. Here, there was a decision to be made, and Naomi laid it before them. See, in doing this, Naomi's actually doing the righteous thing. She's actually doing the righteous thing. And it's Orpha who agrees to return to her own people. She doesn't want to go with Naomi. She's going to return to her own people, her own gods. And it's in the next verse where most commentators agree that Ruth truly converts accepting Jehovah as the one true God. And in Ruth 1.15, it says this. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if, if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So unlike Orpha, Ruth's love for Naomi was unwavering. For Orpha, she was like those who love Jesus Christ, but love other things more. Like those who are not really in, not really saved, not really committed. They talk a good game, but when push comes to shove, man, they just run for the hills. Maybe I could even say those are the type that they start twisting the word to fit their circumstance. Or they deny Jesus Christ by the denying the word as the truth. And do their own thing. She loved the Moabite people more and chose them. Their ways, their worship. Ruth, on the other hand, was resolved to go with Naomi and showed where her heart really was at. It was her proclamation, not only to the loyalty of loyalty of the Naomi, but also her proclamation to the people, their ways, the worship of Jehovah. That satisfies Naomi and she stops asking her to, to leave. So this pagan girl from a people who began with a vile act has now stepped onto a righteous path. The Lord was taking the circumstances that are unholy and unrighteous and changing it into something that's giving him glory. 
And so they return, and verse 22 says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, the young Moabite woman, women, woman, excuse me. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. So here they're coming into Bethlehem. And before we go any further, I have to explain something. There is, in the Mosaic law, an outline for a family member to, and we'll get into this a little bit deeper in a second, to aid other family members, to help other persons of the family who are in need and poverty and trouble, uh, what it has to do with something that the person themselves are struggling with, or they're a widow, or land, buying their land, or saving their possessions, or continuance of a f- family name. Um, the person who would normally follow this outline was a male relative who is usually influential. He would take responsibility for that family member. And this duty was known, the person who was known who would perform this duty as a kinsman redeemer or guardian redeemer. And for more clarity, in the Hebrew, for the kinsman redeemer, the word they use is goel, which means one who rescues, one who delivers, one who redeems. This was a great honor and important duty for the Israelites. To the Israelites, this is an important duty not to be taken lightly. They looked as Yahweh, at Yahweh as the Israel's redeemer who promised to defend and vindicate them. In the New Testament, Jesus is looked at as an example of a kinsman redeemer because he redeemed us from our great need, a need that only he can satisfy because he brings him, us to himself off the road to destruction, giving us eternal salvation. So he's a true kinsman redeemer of all who have faith in him. See, in the is. For the Israelites, if someone was a widow and you were to marry them and they would have a son, that son would have the rights as if the regular father gave birth to him or was part of his birth. And so if there was any land involved, the inheritance would go back to him and the family name would continue. This was very important for the Israelites. There was a way of assuring that the family names continued. For Ruth, this concept of kinsman redeemer is going to play a major role because she was penniless. She was a widow with no male protector. And of course, Naomi sees the godly opportunities for her and she'll react when the time is appropriate in telling her what to do. Now, I'm just going to throw this question. Have you ever been in a situation where you know that God has just put a divine appointment in your path? You know, something that the world would deem coincidence, but for those who believe in Jesus Christ, know that God's plan just unfolded and he dropped somebody in your lap. And this is what happens to Ruth, because she's about to have divine run-ins with a man that God has chosen to be a kinsman redeemer. And it really begins with a basic necessity, because Ruth and Naomi need to eat. They need food. And Ruth was humble, a hard worker, cared for Naomi. And you know what she does? She asks permission to glean corn from one of the fields. And when I say glean here, in effect, she's begging. Because what happens is the people would go out in front of her and they'd harvest the corn. And if there was anything that was dropped or left behind, she would get to pick it up and to keep it. She did that because they needed food. And it was no coincidence that the field belonged to a relative of Elimelech named Boaz. He was a good man, well-respected, who financially well-off, and it notes that he was well-versed in Scripture. And it's in these fields that Boaz spouts Ruth, and he speaks with her, extending hospitality to her and giving her advice to keep her safe. And Ruth, in verse 10, says, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. And then what's said next, what he speaks about Ruth, it says volumes about our walk and our talk. Volumes about our reputation and what's compared to what we say. You know, who we are in our actions that back it up. And what he says next is, speaks about Ruth's walk and talk matching because he news of her loyalty to Naomi has reached him. He's heard about all the things that she has done for Naomi. He's heard that she has left her homeland to come here and follow Yahweh. 
And he says to her, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He blesses her, and Boaz allows her to eat with him, and even gives his men instructions to drop some crops as they're harvesting, so that she has something to pick up. See, he's already started to provide. She had eaten with him. She had leftover grain. She had the crops that she gleaned from the field. She takes his food back to Naomi. Naomi's like, what is this? She had all this food. And Naomi goes, Boaz, wait a minute. He's a family. He's a redeemer. Light bulb goes on. And maybe for Boaz, too, because God's opened the door here. And Boaz invites her back. And she works side by side with the workers now for the barley harvest, and then into the summer for the wheat harvest. And it's obvious that Naomi's behind the scenes doing this, dance for me, puppet, because she knows what to do. You know, Naomi's pulling the strings, but it's not in a bad way. It's in a good way because Ruth is actually a foreigner. She's not accustomed. She's a Moabite. She's not accustomed to all their, all their ways. She's learning all this stuff. And Naomi realizes that she needs a husband. Naomi realizes she needs a household and, and sustenance. And she knows that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. So she's giving her advice and she's telling her what to do. And it's not a bad thing. She was just unfamiliar with the ways and Naomi was teaching and showing her. So the next thing that comes is a ritual that is followed. And Ruth would lie down at Boaz's feet. And even today there's discussion over the actions that are taken. But at the core of it, Ruth is actually making Boaz aware that she wants him to be her, her kinsman redeemer. Now don't forget, now these guys know each other. They've spent some time together. They've spent some time in the fields. They've talked. They've eaten together. So she lays down at his feet. When Boaz, Boaz wakes up, he's first startled. But then he realizes who it is, and he's pleased that she's requesting this of him. But it's really important to remember this about Boaz. He is actually a man of God. He is a pious man. He is candid with her. He's going to do things in the right order in the eyes of the Lord Almighty. And he tells her that there's someone else who's closer to her in the family line, and that person gets first dibs. That person gets the right to buy the land, gets the right to marry her first. We also need to know this, too, that Boaz has been blessed by God. He has a great reputation for doing the righteous thing in the past, and he continues to take action and glorify God in all that he does. Interesting enough, Boaz, this godly man, also comes from an ungodly people. His mother, like Ruth, is not Jewish, but she's an Amorite. And also like Ruth, she decides to seek the face of God, to follow Jehovah, to believe in the one true God. And she takes action showing her decisions as well. And in her direction, what she does is she hides the Israelite spies in the town of Jericho. And for that, her family and her are spared. Boaz's mother is Rahab, the prostitute. So from the pagan tribes, you see this convergence. For the pagan tribes are these glimmers of light of people who come to faith and they start exemplifying their faith by they taking action and God uses them. And they're coming together. We'll see why in a little bit. It is Ruth who remains loyal and chooses to stay with her mother-in-law to worship Jehovah. And Rahab, who is now listed in the halls of faith in the book of Hebrews for hiding the spies. Her son Boaz, as I said, was a godly man. And he was determined to do things the right way, the righteous way. And so he speaks to this closer relative. And he takes and he asks ten elders to come with them. And he does this in front of witnesses. And he tells the relative, listen, there's this land to be bought. And she's a widow. And the relative goes, okay, yeah, I can buy the land. And then he goes, he drops the bombshell and says, oh, yeah, and there's a Moabite, you know, the widow, you have to marry her too. And the guy goes, oh, wait a minute, I can't do that. So he declines, which opens the door for Boaz. And Boaz had already told her that he was going to do it if it fell through anyways. So Boaz says in Ruth 4.13, took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. 
When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. So by God's grace, they are allowed to have a son, and his name was Obed. And Obed would be the father of Jesse, and Jesse would be the father of David, and from this line would come the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Very powerful example of bringing good out of what seems very dark situations. You know, there's much to be gleaned from these events, what people did, how they acted. It's a great example of being outside the will of God is not where you want to be. Because if you're a child of God, he's going to do everything to get you to go back into the will of God. Back on the path of righteousness. As a matter of fact, as Naomi sees her friends when they enter into Bethlehem, she makes a very telling statement in Ruth 120. She says, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? It's not hard to believe that she would have been questioning a lot of things because she suffered. I'm sure she was asking what would become of her because she was a widow, no money, no sons. And she had two daughter-in-laws that were probably relying on her just as much as they, you know, she was relying on them. And they were on top of that pagan So at minimum, Naomi believed that God allowed what had happened to her, but also in the midst of her suffering, God has provided Ruth to encourage. And in the midst of her suffering, she starts making righteous choices. She goes back to Judah. She holds the girls accountable. She's stepping back in the direction of God. See, through her ordeal, Naomi is enduring her hardships. She perseveres as she steps back into God's direction. She gives righteous and sound advice to Ruth, and in the end, she becomes a grandmother. And she's blessed, she's provided for. For Ruth, as God's plan unfolded, she had faith and she worshiped the one true God, turning her back on the Moabite gods. We know that Ruth was caring and supportive and humble and loyal and good, but we've got to remember for her, the most important thing was this faith. Because without that faith, she wouldn't have been in the lineage of Jesus Christ. When we look at this picture, how indicative of Lord's church that these two pagan women, Ruth and Rahab, would come to faith in the family line, being the family line of the Messiah. Jesus Christ wants you right where you're at. Today, as we sit here, as each of us has its own struggles and our battles, as we look down the road and we see this enormous obstacle that we're facing, you know, and maybe it's evil, maybe it's unrighteous, ungodly, and dripping with sin, but be assured that if you are a child of God, that God can work it out for his glory and for your benefit. Know in your heart that He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That there's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing more powerful than him. That he died on the cross for you personally. Suffered for you personally. Loves you personally. Cares about you personally. I think we have a hard time believing that sometimes. Wants to work on things with you personally. Watches all the time, you personally. Right there to help you get up, you personally.
From this story, we know we don't want to be outside the will of God. We want to be in the will of God. We want to trust and rely on God because that's when he works things out. When we second guess everything, listen, we open the door for the enemy. We open the door to give a foothold to the enemy in our life and he starts to have a field day. And the fiery darts come in and one doubt turns into many doubts and many doubts turn starts turning into stepping away from fellowship and stepping away from church and not doing what we're supposed to do. And we can't do that because God doesn't want us to do that. And it's all a ploy and a lie of the enemy anyways. So we want to stay in the will of God and like Rahab and like Boaz and like Ruth We want to walk in the direction of God and see what God will do. So if you're facing something that seems too enormous, just do what you're supposed to do with the word, with praying, with God, and let God do the battle. Let God, what are we saying? Let God lead us through the fiercest battle. Hey, if we go through that on our own, we're going to get shredded. But with God, we're going to be untouched. Probably refined. Before I close today, and that's what I have to say about Ruth. But before I close today, I wanted to get some prayer requests so as the body of Christ we could pray for them right now. I want to ask that if you have you know, something of issue of health or whatever that you need prayer for, why don't you just raise your hand and let me know, and then as a body we're going to pray for them all together. I'm going to start because I want prayer for my mother. She's in the hospital and she may have a blockage in her intestine. And they're trying to see what's happening there, if it's going to pass on its own with the antibiotics. And so she's been there for three days now. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. So, but does anybody else have any prayer requests? Or is your life perfect? Yes, Ryan. Crohn's? Yes. Peter? Pray that he does go to church? Yeah. What's his first name? I forgot. Jonathan? You believe he's a believer? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Monty. Amen. Yeah. Yes, Erin. Yes, Diana. You guys realize we have a prayer chain, right? Evidently. <laughs> yes, Angel. Emily. Hmm. Just for healing, correct? Overall, yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Infection, okay. Okay, what's her first name? Christina? Is she? Okay. Okay. 
we haven't heard from her since Thursday, but we heard from her before that, and she was doing pretty good. So, yes, Caroline. Oof. She a believer? Yes. Michelle. From Matt to accept God? God's guidance, okay. We need to pray for the Rainey family too because Wes just lost his mom. And now we're sorry for your loss, so we need to lift them up. Wes, what was her first name? Patricia. Patricia? Well, Okay. What's your dad's name? Lloyd. Another Lloyd. Anybody else? Jimmy? Pray for our t- test that they're doing on a loading for cancer tests. Well, just 11 or 12 years ago, we had it. And they're reviewing it, but some of the tests have Okay. Dennis? Pray for my family. Anybody else? Oh, sorry, Muffy. Hmm? Please bow your heads with me. Oh, did I miss anybody? I don't want to miss anybody. I missed somebody. Jamie? Please bow your head with me. I'm just going to go through these. Lord, we know that you are with us as that song says, Lord, you're with us in the fire. You're with us as a shelter. You're with us in the storm. And we just praise your name for that. We love you, Lord, no matter what we have to go through, Lord, no matter what our family goes through, no matter what our friends go through, Lord, we know that you are the creator of the universe who spoke things into existence, Lord, and that you can work all things out for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. Lord, help us to walk in faith as we pray for all these difficult things, Lord. Help us not to back up because of fear, Lord, but help us to move forward in faith. Lord, I thank you for each person here in this body who has raised their hand, Lord, and who wants to come together as the body of Christ to lift, lift up whatever it is to you. Oh, Lord, I just start with my mom, Lord. I just pray that she would just, Lord, I pray that that blockage would just dissipate. It would be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. So many times I've seen you place your hand upon her and heal her, Lord. So, Lord, we're asking for a healing for that blockage. Lord, I should be able to walk and continue just to uh, speak about you and to share your gospel message, Lord, and just to bring that light into dark areas, Lord, that are around her. So, Lord, we just pray for a healing there, Lord. Lord, I pray for Ryan's back, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you would heal it, Lord, but, Lord, maybe you would also, I feel like you should show him something about things that he's doing, Lord, that are aggravating it that he shouldn't be doing. 
So, Lord, I pray that you would give him wisdom, too, Lord, and touch his back, Lord. Heal him, Lord, but show him how to do things, Lord, to keep it from being hurt, Lord. I pray that your peace that surpasses understanding would fall upon that household, Lord. Lord, I pray for Matthew, Lord, as he has just got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, Lord. Lord, I pray that he would just seek your face, Lord, that he would be all in, that this would be the one last thing that puts him on the bottom of the pit, Lord, that he just surrenders it all to you. Lord, help him in this situation to know that he doesn't got this and that he can't walk in his ways anymore. So, Lord, I pray that you would just touch him in this whole thing. And not only heal him, Lord, but I pray that you would heal him and he would know it's you without a doubt. Lord, we talk, Lord, we pray for Jonathan. We lift him up, Lord, Peter's son, Lord. And Lord, I come against the schizophrenia. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I come against the drugs that call his name. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if he is a believer, that your voice of the Holy Spirit would drown out all the other things of the world. We pray that he would start attending church, Lord. We pray that he would start fellowshipping, Lord, into praying and getting in the word, Lord. I pray that he would be drawn to put on the armor of God to do this battle every day and not just today. Lord, we pray for deliverance from him, for him. Lord, I pray for my sister Deb over here, and I thank you that I can call her my sister because she's accepted you as Lord and Savior. I pray for her, Lord, as she goes in for her dental work this week, Lord. Pray that you would guide the hands of the dentist, Lord, that there would be no pain, and I'm praying for no pain. I don't care what the world says, I'm praying for no pain. Let the procedure be successful, Lord. Lord, we pray for Kate's neck and shoulders, Lord, and just thank you for her heart, Lord, and her perseverance and endurance as she plays up here, Lord, in pain. Lord, we pray for a healing of her neck and her shoulders, Lord. We pray for a good report from the MRI, Lord. We pray that she would not have claustrophobia, Lord, and want to run from the situation, but that she'd be able to hand it over you and your peace that surpasses understanding would just descend upon her, Lord, as she's sitting in that tube, laying in that tube. Lord, I pray for Arian's shoulder. I pray that you would just strengthen it, Lord. That if there's anything torn, Lord, that you would repair it, Lord. That it would be as if it was never injured to begin, begin with, Lord. We pray that this would, be, it would not be an encumbrance or a hindrance, Lord, when it comes to her work in New Orleans, Lord, and preaching your gospel, Lord, or sharing your gospel with the, with the homeless, Lord, with those in the streets, Lord. Lord, we pray for a healing, Lord. We pray for a healing. Strengthen her bones, Lord. Pray for Jamie, Lord. I pray for wisdom when it comes to surgeries, Lord. We pray for your hand to be upon it, Lord, and for confirmations of yes or no. Lord, we know that you're going to guide the hands of the doctors, Lord, but we pray that you would guide the decision to do it or not, Lord. Your wisdom, not hers, Lord. Lord, we lift up our unsaved family members, Lord. Lord, we know a prophet has no honor in his own hometown, and I think many of us have experienced that. So, Lord, I pray that uh, those members in our families who don't know you, Lord, I pray for other Christians would come in from other places, Lord, and speak and share the gospel with them, Lord. I pray that they would be saved, Lord. Our heart hurts for those in our families, Lord, that don't know you. We ask, ask that you intervene in that. Give us the words to speak or send others to speak the words. Pray for Dennis's family, Lord. Lord, I rebuke the enemy has no place there. Lord, I rebuke the enemy has no place there. 
Lord, I pray that there would not be little fires that turn into raging infernos because of things like jealousy or emotions that are not of you, God. Lord, I pray that the fruits of the Spirit would blossom in his family, Lord. I rebuke the enemy. He has no place there. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen their discernment, Lord. That you would turn all eyes back to you. I pray that they would dream dreams and they'd see visions, Lord. And they know what path is the right path to take and they would take it. <clears throat> As our sermon, Lord, I pray that everyone would jump back into the path of righteousness, Lord. To be in your will and not against your will. Pray for Elodia, Lord, that she would have a good report from this test. Lord, I pray that if there even was cancer, that it would be eradicated in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would heal anything that's wrong in that body, Lord. We thank you for that woman, Lord. We thank you for her testimony in this body. We thank you for her service, Lord. And we just ask as our sister in Christ that you would heal her in your holy name. Lord, we lift up the Rainey family, Lord. Lord, first I just thank you for those you've placed in our lives that bless us, that love us, and that we love them. And Lord, it's in those moments when we lose them and the time has come and when it's the end of these earthly, earthly days for them that they are missed, Lord, and it seems like there's a hole. So Lord, I pray that you would fill that hole. Lord, I pray that you would touch his father and help him through this time, Lord. That he would know that you are right beside him, Lord. I pray that you would wrap your arms around him, Lord. And that he would feel you and sense you. Lord, once again, we just pray for that peace that can only come from you. And the healing that only comes from your power. But Lord, we thank you for those who love us and those we love in our life. And Lord, we just lift up Dolores, Lord. I know she's undergoing chemo now, Lord, and she's suffering all the side effects, Lord, but Lord, we're asking for a healing there. We're asking for, Lord, that you would just lift these side effects off of her, Lord, that she would just know that it's you, that it would be a, a miracle before the doctor's eyes and all those who are involved, Lord. Lord, we pray for encouragement. Lord, I pray for Christians to step aside of her, Lord, that can encourage her, <clears throat> that can lift her up, Lord. Pray that her eyes would be fixed on you, Lord, but we know, Lord, that you bring people with those spiritual gifts aside of us when we need it. So, Lord, I'm praying that for her right now, Lord. I pray that you would alleviate these painful side effects, Lord, but that you would also supply and provide Christian brothers and sisters to come alongside to lift her up in encouragement. Lord, we pray for Matt King, Lord. Lord, I pray that he would follow your ways and not his ways. Lord, I pray that he would submit to you, Lord, and get on his knees, Lord, and trust in you, not what he discerns, Lord, not what he understands, Lord, but what you tell him. Lord, we pray that you would protect him, that you would guide him in these decisions that he makes. Lord, I also pray that you would protect him from influences that are from the enemy and not from you. From people who are from the enemy and not from you, Lord. Help him to know, discern when it's from the Holy Spirit and when it's from the world. And help him to follow your ways and not his own, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for Diana's back. I pray that you would just heal it, Lord. That you would, uh, Lord, in her new job, Lord, that you would just bless her in her marriage, Lord, that you would continue to bless her, Lord. And uh, I just thank you that uh, they're here right now and just sharing with us, Lord, at this time of fellowship. So, Lord, we just pray that you would heal her, Lord. For Emily, Lord, she's been through so much, Lord. We pray, <clears throat> Lord, that you would just take this infection out of her, Lord, and that any disease, Lord, or anything that's wrong, Lord, that you would heal in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, she has such a heart for you, Lord. She was such a blessing to us, Lord. We just pray that you would uh, eradicate and alleviate, Lord, anything that's causing her harm. Lord, I pray that you would bless her today, not only with your peace that surpasses understanding, but with anything else, Lord, that would just lift her spirits. She would just know that you are present. And lastly, we just pray for Christina, Lord. Lord, I pray for all the girls in the house, Lord. Lord, and I'm not just praying for a healing, Lord. I'm praying for deliverance, Lord. I'm praying for deliverance from drugs, Lord. I'm praying for deliverance from alcohol. I'm praying for deliverance from sexual addiction. I'm praying for deliverance for anything, Lord, that would mar us, Lord. I pray that as they see themselves, Lord, they would see themselves through your eyes as loved. Lord, I pray for those women who come to you, Lord, and leave that house. I pray that they would be connected with the church, Lord, that they would not stop leaving you alone, Lord, that they would grab onto you, Lord, and not let go, that they would get connected to churches and Christian programs. They would stay in the word, Lord. They would stay in prayer, Lord, and out of trouble. Lord, once again, I come before you and I ask, Lord, I rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. Protect them, Lord. We pray this for Christina, Lord. Lord, we know the thoughts there to go in a good Christian program. Lord, I pray you get her there. Out of harm's way and safe. Help her to grow in you. Oh, Lord, I just thank you that we have this time to come together as the body of Christ to lift these things up together. This is more than two or more are gathered. We love it. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. We praise your name. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you hear our prayers. Lord, help us to be expectant of the answers. Help us to walk in faith this week, to be unashamed of sharing you, sharing the gospel, Lord. To be unashamed of coming to you with the, the things that are in our backgrounds, Lord, or in the dark that we don't want to talk about. Lord, help us to be in your will and in your ways and not our own. We just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we all said, amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget to touch base with one another this week.